Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. You're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry, and I'm Anne-Marie Lockhart, the editor of the uh, site. And I have with me today um, a writer whose work you have read at Vox numerous times. Um, Her work has been in the Contributor Series and in the anthologies. Um, Her name is Dee Thompson. Thanks for joining me, Dee. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Um, Dee has written so many wonderful pieces, and some of them have been family-oriented. Some of them have been um, very funny. Uh, she's got some real humorous stuff out there, and you've read it. I'm sure um, some of you listening have read it. So um, I kind of left this totally open to Dee, like whatever you want to read, Dee. It's good. So, Dee, what do you want to start with? <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'll start with a poem that I wrote. Um, about a year ago, I guess, or maybe less than that. I can't remember. It's all blurry now. Um, the chemicals from cleaning my toilet are just messing with my brain. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, my both of my children are adopted. My son is adopted from Kazakhstan, and my daughter is adopted from Russia. And so I tend to write about them a lot. I mean, I write about other things, but, of course, becoming an instant mom at the age of 41 to a 13-year-old girl that speaks no English is quite a challenge. I don't think I'll ever really get over it. Um, and I don't speak much Russian. But um, anyway, I adopted my son uh, when he was 10 years old. And <clears throat> he had to come in and um, go to elementary school because he had only had two years of schooling in Kazakhstan. And elementary school was great. The principal was wonderful. His teachers were good. You know, we had such a happy experience. And then when mm-hmm. he was ready to go to middle school, he was so freaked out, and I I couldn't really comfort him. He's always kind of scared of new situations, which is not, you know, unique to adopted children. But anyway, this is a poem I wrote called How to Send Your Child to a New School. I sometimes write for a website called eHow, but this is not something I can write for them. I can write the steps, sure, buy school supplies, buy school clothes, write name and agenda, etc., tuck child into bed after reading a chapter of Harry Potter, Wake child up early and promise him a cinnamon roll if he will shower and dress and come downstairs. All those steps are the easy ones. Here are the hard steps. How can I look at my son's face and tell him everything will be okay? How can I assure him he will understand everything when there are still thousands of English words he does not know? How can I hope he will be treated like anyone else when there is no forearm or hand coming from the right sleeve of his T-shirt? How can I tell him today will be different? No child will tease you. No child will ask you what happened to your hand. No child will ask you why you talk funny. No reassurances are really possible. How can I tell him to hang out with the good kids when he sees himself as a bad kid? How well I remember being the fat kid, the kid with weird clothes, the kid who was too tall, the kid with funny glasses. I was all of those. I was whole, though. My daughter blazes out the door early, beautiful and excited, My son and I go upstairs to brush teeth. I spend time just holding my son and rubbing his back, my 13-year-old baby. You do not have all the things all those other kids have, but you have three people who love you. He smiles. I drop him off and drive away and do not look back. I read that to him last night and kind of looked at him to see how he would feel about it, and he said, okay, Mom, that's nice. You know, that's so classic, a kid response. But I read that poem, and, you know, from the very first time I read it, 
and I'm struck by all the trepidations that uh, we feel as parents that come through so clearly in that poem, the harking back to our own experiences, and then the sensitivity to um, to what it is he may be feeling, which I think is really powerful in that piece. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm blessed to have a son that is really much more capable and willing to express his feelings than most boys. Now, he yeah, yeah. He doesn't do it in front of his friends necessarily, but when it's just him and me, he's very expressive and very, um, you know, very sympathetic. So it's uh, it's a joy in a lot of ways. But anyway, the other one of the other poems I wrote is about my daughter, and I just wanted to read that because you know I think they deserve equal time. Um, <laughs> my daughter also has a handicap, although it's not clear when you look at her. She has a learning disability. Anyway, this one is called My Daughter Sings. My daughter's voice seeps out from underneath her door and soars through the dark air of the upper hall, pure and clear as Joni Mitchell's melody threading about like beating butterfly wings, she sings. My daughter has an auditory processing disorder. Her brain doesn't always correctly comprehend, yet she sings. The radio balanced on her chest, her iPod synced. She has no idea about singing on key, nor does she care. When I try to teach her, she resists me. So my years of vocal training, you see, we cannot share. Despite her handicap, despite others' disdain, my daughter sings. I have never heard anything quite so beautiful. (laughs) Has she heard that poem yet or no? No, it makes her profoundly uncomfortable to read things I write. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's nice now, and she she should be used to it. when I first met her and she saw me at the computer one night, uh, she got up. I'd put her to bed and sat down at the computer, and she's and she asked me in Russian, "What are you writing?" And I told her it was about her. Um, and once she got a little bit more English, I explained, you know, I write about my life and my kids in my blog, The Crab Chronicles, because you know I want people to understand that when you adopt older children, it's not all bad. You know, you have a lot of right. happy things and. You know, unfortunately, there are older children that are so, you know, emotionally damaged that they get all the publicity. And right. lots and lots of parents that have adopted from foster care or from an orphanage overseas, and their kids are fine. You know, there are challenges, but, you know, they turn out just fine. So it, it's kind of, when I started my adoption process, I couldn't find anything to read you know, that said, hey, adopt an older kid, and the kid, you know, she's going to have some issues, but she'll probably be fine. I couldn't find that. There just wasn't anything. I scoured the Internet for, you know, a year and a half trying to find stuff. And so that's part of the reason why I wrote my first book, which was uh, Adopting Alicia, the crusade for my Russian daughter, was because I wanted people to read, you know, what is it like to adopt an older child. And, of course, my journey was fraught with issues and, you know, the orphanage director didn't even like Americans. And um, so, you know, and then I had a number of people tell me I was crazy. That was always fun. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. You know, a lot of what I write kind of arises from all of that, you know. Where is the book available, Dee? Because I know you did appearance at the um, book fair, and it's gotten uh, it's been out for a little while, and people should take a look for it because it is, like you said, the only thing of its kind out there, and that's an important um, that's an important aspect. So tell people where they can find the book. Um, it's on Amazon, and you know, if 
you know, if you just go on Amazon and type in Adopting Alicia, A-L-E-S-I-A, you'll find it. Or just look at the Crab Chronicles, my blog, because I have links to where you can find things. Um, and I also wrote a, a book right before my son came home called Jack's New Family because I was trying to help him understand what it was going to be like to go from an orphanage to a family. Um, yeah. No, at the time, actually, that he had lived with his birth mom till he was eight, but that was a very abnormal family. She was an alcoholic, and they were homeless. Mm. So, you know, a normal kind of American family he had no idea about. So I wrote Jack's mm. And it's in Russian and in English on the same page, one column in Russian and one column in English. And he heard it in Russian when I was still in the adoption process. And then not too long ago, he reread it in English. Um, it's written on about, I guess for any kids, say, from 8 to 12. Um, mm-hmm. is about the age range. The child in the book, Jack, is 8 years old, and it's his talking about, you know, what is it like to go from an orphanage to uh, a mom a single mom family. But now, where can you get that book? Is that available too? On Amazon. Okay. Um, so they're both on Amazon, and I'm working on a third book. I don't know if I'll finish it or if it's any good, but I was trying to write kind of an adventure story because um, my son and I read every day, and we read things like Harry Potter and The Lightning Thief, and they're fun books. I've, I've really enjoyed reading them, but I thought to myself, well, there's no um, adventurer you know, that's like a 12, 13, 14-year-old girl. Why can't we have a book yeah. where girls cool stuff, you know? Right, right, right. Strong girl characters um, in Harry Potter and Lightning Thief, but they're not the main character. So You're absolutely right, and that, that that's something you can do. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, um, we'll see. I, I should have lots of time to work on that since I'm unemployed, but, you know, things seem to always get in the way. Time is the hardest thing to come by, dude. It's like well, every time you turn around, something is stealing a piece of it away from you. I, I know how that goes. Um, one of the things that I have been reading, The Crab Chronicles, since I got to know you, and that um, that is your blog, and it is a place where you talk about a lot of, you know, things that have to do with adoption or child rearing or your mom, um, family things, community things, um, movies. You talk about a lot of stuff that's, you know, just part of life kind of thing. And I, one of the things I think that's great about it is it's it's as, it's as it's just a slice of life in every sense. And you talked about the positivity that you didn't find um, when you were looking through the literature for information about adopting older children. And I think that's really a big piece of what you write. Um, Thanks. The difficulties are there, too, and, and, you know, everybody has those, and so they're relatable on a lot of levels. You know, you don't have to have an adoptive child to understand what you're talking about when you write those things, but you explain stuff for anyone who is unfamiliar, which is useful, too. And you also do some fundraising and some support for um, the um, Antares Foundation. Would you talk about that a little bit? Right. Well, Antares Foundation is uh, a group that works in Petropavlovsk where my son was adopted from, and they do just wonderful things for the kids that are still in the orphanages. So, so many of those kids in the orphanage are not adoptable. You know, their parents Mm. have been terminated or they have siblings and they all have to be adopted together. And so um, Laura Rozier, uh, who's a friend of mine here in Atlanta, um, started that. And she's not an adoptive parent, but she uh, is just an amazing person. And I'll put a... 
I'll put a link to Antares up on my website. I don't know if they're up on the Crab Chronicles. I don't know if their website is updated or not. They're very active on Facebook. But one thing okay. that's about Antares is that all the money that you send goes to the kids. You know, mm-hmm. and, and okay. you can sponsor a child in an orphanage, and you don't have to pay $50 a month. Um, you know, you don't have to pay $500 a year. They say send what you can send. And they take right. the children and they go on outings, they go to cafes, they go to libraries, they go to, um, they went bowling recently. And a lot of times these kids, you think, well, that what's the big deal there? Well, a lot of these kids never get to go anywhere. And yeah. even the, the orphanage where my son was, which was actually not a bad place. You know, my daughter's orphanage was awful, but um, his mm. orphanage was not bad. But, you know, it's, it's like a prison for children. They don't leave. Mm-hmm. You know, they actually... Mm-hmm. In the building, and you know their whole lives are there, and they get out when they're 17 or 18, and they have nothing. They don't have family support. They have no money. They don't have a job. Um, so Antares helps them too, as well as the kids still in the orphanage. It's just a wonderful organization. Um, so I'll, I'll post a link to that. It looks like we're almost done. Can I read one more poem? Yes, I was just about to ask you to do just that. Yes, please. Okay, well, this one is not one that you will probably ever want to put on Vox Poetica because it's a a funny, silly poem. I grew up uh, when I was small in Augusta, Georgia, which is the home of the Masters Tournament, and, you know, I hate golf passionately. (laughs) I thought I ought to write about it. This alienates most of my family, but, you know, so be it. It's a fair way to heaven. Augusta was my birthplace, home of the Masters Tournament, Mecca for all golfers, our fairway, which are to heaven. But I never understood the game that took my dad away on Saturdays. Holy fairway, mother of sod. Now that I'm older, I see the ancient allure of the greens, wild and primitive as a quilt. Each golfer swings hard and free, adorned in preppy armor, whether executive or farmer, each club wielded by the shielded caveman, each ball aimed at the distant hole, the careful insertion of the tee. Hooray for us winners now and at the hour of our wealth. Then there's a grandial rehash, tales of conquest beneath the umbrella table, cocktails to celebrate, and sometimes the handing out of winning cash. Face it, it's easier to whack the hell out of a tiny ball than to kill and mate. <laughs> anyway, that one may never find an audience, but it was a <laughs> And I, I share I your sentiments about after. golf. I find it hard to watch. I don't know how people can be so in- involved in it, but I guess you have to play it to really get it, you know? I, I imagine the Golf Channel does a lot of business around 10 or 11 at night when people are trying to fall asleep. <laughs> because there's, there's nothing like watching golf to make me want to nod off and take a nap instantly. <laughs> and to grow up right in the heartland of it, Dee, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this is sacrilege. You know, I've offended, you know, golfers. I've probably offended Catholics. I've offended half the people in the house now. So I just wanted to end with bang. <laughs> I thank you for that. I thought I loved it myself, and I'm sure plenty of people listening will have the same reaction. Um, this is That was Dee Thompson reading uh, one of her poems that has not appeared, 
publicly until today. And I would like to direct you all to her blog, which is called The Crab Chronicles. You can Google that to get to it. You can also find a link to it at Vox Poetica. If you search for her um, in the archive, you can find what's been published there before. She's had a number of poems at Vox. So, you know, find the links back and click on her blog and get updates on um, her books, on the Antares Foundation, on uh, the general day-to-day of her life, which is usually very funny and always thought-provoking, and um, I think you'll enjoy that immensely. So thanks for joining me, Dee. I really appreciate you taking time. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. I enjoyed it. Everyone have a great week. Um, We'll be back next week. I don't know what we'll be talking about, but it will probably have something to do with poetry. Have a great week um, and uh, write something. Send it to Vox. We'll we'll see what we can do about getting it published. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.